Welcome to the Word of a King podcast. It's where culture clashes with our calling, where preaching is more important than popularity, where we rightly divide and properly apply the scriptures, where we put to rest common and controversial issues. We do this by looking to the Word of a King. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding. Amen, amen. Welcome back to another episode of the Word of a King. I am your host, Chad Reese, and with me is the co-host, Brother Brian Beam. And we're looking forward to getting to another exciting podcast. And I think this uh, particular subject, this particular podcast will be beneficial. We hope that you clicked on it and uh, watching, viewing because you're interested in the subject. But today we are going to discuss errors in the Bible. What's your thoughts on that, Brother Brian? Errors in the Bible. There are a lot of supposed errors, mistakes, contradictions, hundreds of them according to the world and Thomas Paine and atheists. And so we'll check out some of them, see if they're so. Hope you should be familiar with some of these because if you're witnessing, especially college campuses and that, yeah. you're going to have people bring these errors up. It's good to know. And also, when you uh, see the answer to these, it inst- reinstills your faith in the Bible and the King James Bible. And amen. It helps you out. And I, and I think this kind of piggybacks or ties into our last podcast. And we were talking about how the Word of God is written in such a manner. God did it purposely uh, that God will answer you according to the idols in your heart. And mm-hmm. how this Bible is written in the fact if you want to find contradictions in it, you'll find contradictions in it. Matter of fact, we're going to help you find some contradictions today. We'll save you some time. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, as King James Bible believers, what we want to do is show you these supposed contradictions, these supposed errors in the Bible, and we want to build your faith in the Word of God. I believe that this is vital uh, for the Christian. We we know what we know about God because of the Word of God, and I don't think there ever can be enough emphasis put on God's Word. I, I know our critics and those who don't believe the book would say that we, uh, King James Bible leaders, we put too much emphasis on the Word of God and we make it into an idol. No, these are God's words. And so again, our goal, our purpose is to build your confidence, build your faith in the Word of God, and Amen. hence, it'll build your faith in God. Um, so, Brother Brian, maybe let's just have a short discussion by introduction of What's your thoughts on, kind of I already said, uh, why it's important and what the Bible says about itself in regards to it being true, in regards to why a Christian needs to approach the Word of God with faith, and maybe talk a few minutes about the devil's job and what he's trying to do to attack that. Yeah, the devil, of course, the God of this world, he's the great deceiver, and the first sin committed on planet Earth since the creation of man, at least, Amen. was the devil questioning the word of God, and he said, Yea, hath God said. Yeah. And that was 6,000 years ago, and to this day, the devil is still attacking the word of God, putting doubt in the Christian and unbeliever alike into the word of God. In Matthew 13, the great parable of the seed and the sower, yeah. Jesus Christ said, A sower 
was sowing seed, and some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured up the seed. And then Jesus Christ interprets that for us and yeah. says that the fowls are the devils. Yeah. And it comes and takes the word of God out of their heart, lest they should receive it and believe and be Amen. saved and bear fruit. So that's the devil's number one job. Right. And Paul said we are not ignorant of his devices. And unfortunately, most Christians, most pastors, most born-again people, maybe even some of you, are ignorant of Satan's devices. That's his number one job. That's his number one tactic is to attack the word of God, cast doubt upon the word of God, make and then... If you don't believe it, if you don't believe it's pure, you won't read it, That's right. you won't study it, you won't memorize it, you'll be afraid and be a little chicken that somebody's going to show one of these contradictions and you know what to answer, then you feel like a dummy so you don't open your mouth for 60 years for Jesus yeah. and people go to hell that otherwise would not have gone to hell and you go to the judgment seat of Christ and you can't explain yourself all because you didn't believe the Bible was the word of God. And it's great to believe it by faith. And Amen. Nobody can answer every single problem in the Bible. There's going to be some things no man on earth right. can answer, whether it's King James issue, Greek text issue, or just a contradiction that's in all English texts, which many of these are in all the Bibles. It's not right. even a King James issue. God wants you to have faith in the Word of God, and that's wonderful. But when God proves himself over and over and over and over with Scripture and Scripture that it's perfect, it's infallible, there are zero mistakes, that will greatly help you. So yeah. it's just a good thing to know, and I think it's just fascinating and neat to see something, and we'll show you some of these, that it looks like, man, I've seen some doozies where, right. what How is the answer? That? I know the answer's there, and if not, well, I just trust you, Lord, and that's, that's where I think we all should be. But then when you get the answer, like, wow, that's amazing. It's awesome. It's like this mystery is solved. Yeah. It's really neat. Absolutely, brother. And you brought out some really good points. I just want to take a couple minutes to expound on. First of all, you know, you'll have these people say, well, show me in the Bible where it says the King James Bible is the word of yeah. God. Or show me in the Bible where thus saith, you know, Satan attacks by attacking the deity of Christ. And as long as you find it here and find it there, it's fine. And, you know, that whole idea is just bad Bible study, it's just a bad way to approach the Word of God. Uh, we've said this plenty of times, but the Bible's not written on thou shalt or thou shalt not. Again, they're in there, but the Bible's written on principles, and I know you've brought, in, uh, brought this out in the past, if not on the podcast, at church. And so if you want to know, is the devil interested in attacking the Word of God, just read what the Bible says about it. And again, you already touched on that at the beginning. That was the very first thing he did to beguile Eve was to question the Word of God. So there is no doubt that the devil is in the business to question the Word of God. If you deny that, then you just deny what the Bible teaches on the subject. The second thing I find interesting about that is once he says, yea, hath God said, he then then obviously goes on to deceive her, beguile her by saying, ye shall be as the gods. Now, what I find is that is true with the Bible correctors. You know who is the God in yeah. their life who determines the truth? They are. But you know how that came about? By questioning the word of mm. God. Oh, I shouldn't really say this here. Oh, this is error here. Oh, this could be better translated here. Well, who's the authority? They are the authority. And again, that whole principle, that whole tactic, that whole snare, that whole attack from the devil was seen all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And uh, so just good principles you draw out yeah. from the word of God. Um, so I'm going to obviously a couple verses and whether if you got any other thing you want to add to that, then we're going to get into these errors. But the Bible says in Psalms 119 verse 160, thy word is true from the beginning and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. 
again, brethren, the word of God is true from the beginning. That means it's true in Genesis. It's in true in Exodus. It's true all the way to Revelation. And if you can't trust the word of God here, then how can you trust it there? If you think there's a contradiction here, then what makes you think there's not another error or contradiction somewhere else? And so what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to take some of these supposed contradictions, some of these errors in the Bible, we'll let you think about them, and then we're going to try to explain to you what we believe the answer is. Another, obviously, verse that's very familiar that we all should know or memorize coming down in your heart, Psalm chapter 12, 6 and 7, the words of the Lord. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in front of us are purified seven times. Thou shall keep them, O Lord. Thou shall preserve them from this generation forever. Of course, we know the new Bible versions attack that. And it says that thou shall keep them the antecedent being the words of God. It says, thou shall keep us, thou shall preserve us. That's not what the verse says. It's talking about the words of God. And they are preserved, inspired, inerrant words of God. Amen. And uh, Brother Brian, I, I think, and again, this is just going to be a fun podcast. So why don't you uh, give us some other thoughts on just this introduction theme, and then we'll jump into the first supposed contradiction. Psalm 119 is a verse where David said, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. Amen. So the more pure you think this book is, if you think there's mistakes and you think there's errors and you think it's been translated over of a translation of a translation and the oldest and best manuscripts and the originals disappeared and all we have is accurate copies, no wonder Christians today, especially yeah. Christians that go to churches where they have 20 different Bible versions, they don't love the Bible, they don't quote the Bible, they don't have hundreds of verses memorized. The people I find, it's funny, I knew a street preacher in Toledo who did not use King James, and he wasn't King James only. Mm-hmm. And he, we ran into him at an event, and James Kelly knows the guy, and he's like, every single street preacher I've ever run into in my life is King James only. Why is that? Right. And I mentioned that. I said, because we put an emphasis on, you know, our crowd puts an emphasis on the yeah. Word of God and the importance of the Word of God. So that puts in you the desire to go out there and preach the Word of God. Amen. And not that we're the only ones doing things for the Lord. I know there's people who aren't King James only or maybe not independent Baptists that are, you know, the Lord's doing things through them. I, sure. I acknowledge that. But the emphasis on this book and being pure will produce good fruit. It'll help you fall in love with the Word of God. But if you think there's a bunch of mistakes and errors, and if you think there's a bunch of contradictions, then you're not going to have that right attitude. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And I think that's uh, very important. You know, I, I make this statement, and, you know, sometimes people misrepresent what I'm saying. But there's no doubt that the greatest day in my life was May 20, 2000, the day I got saved. And there's no doubt that a great work began that day, you know, a new creature in Christ and all those truths. But practically, the reason that I'm changed on this side of eternity is because I fell in love with the Word of God. Now, again, I I understand salvation's hand in hand with that. All I'm saying is I could have got saved and not fell in love with the Word of God, and my life would not Mm. be where it's at today. And the reason, like you brought up about street preaching, why I love going to the street and proclaiming the gospel of the grace of God, why we door knock, why we go singing in the park, why we get excited about going doing public baptisms, why we get excited about things of God. And brother, because his books made me fall in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's why I'm excited about the things of God. And so again, our desire is to not let the devil come and steal the word of God. And you know what I love about uh, that parable there with the sword and the seed? The devil's got to steal it from their heart. Never 
ever let the devil lie to you and say that preaching the word of God is doing no good. No, it did good. Guess where it was at? It was in their heart. And he came and stole out of it. There's no doubt there. But it still shows you the power of the word of God. Amen. And uh, so let's let's dive in. Let's take one of the first examples. And why don't you go ahead and lead this. And uh, give us the supposed contradiction. And we'll, you can read the verses and talk about it and uh, however you want to go about it. But why don't you give us the first one. What is the first supposed contradiction that we're going to talk about today? Okay, Mark 14, verse 72. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. So Peter denies the cock crows. Peter denies the second time, then he denies the third time, a cock crows. And Jesus told him, Before the cock crow twice, you'll deny me thrice, three times. Mm -hmm. Okay, Luke twenty-two thirty-four. We'll see, does not match. And we have ourselves one of the classic contradictions. So when you're witnessing, people say, oh, the contradictions, the Bible's full of contradictions. The Bible's full of mistakes. And they say, show me one. Right. Well, now and then they will show you one. Right, right. I have an uncle who went to seminary eight years, deacon in the Catholic Church. And he, right after I got saved, he told me about a bunch of supposed errors in the Bible. And some of them will cover on the podcast. They're not errors, but now and then there are some people who do know some contradictions. So you might want to familiarize yourself yeah. with these. Luke twenty two thirty four and he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So Peter denies, and there's a cock-a-doodle-doo. Well, <laughs> there's not a kind of another, the second cock-a-doodle-doo is until he denies him three times. Well, Jesus said, the cock will not crow till you deny me three times in the other count. So one, they can't both be true. One of them is a lie. The Bible's got mistakes. All right, let's go get drunk. The Bible's a lie. Right. Right. And that is, that's, <laughs> again, I know that obviously is complete sarcasm, but that sarcasm, oh, that's, no, 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 that, that true. But that sarcasm is true. If you dismiss the word of God, you might as well eat, drink, and be merry, right? It, right. And that is what it leads to. See, people don't realize that. Your doctrine affects your living. And if you dismiss the word of God, you think there's errors and contradictions. It's not going to effectually work in you there it is. because it effectually works in those that believe. believe. Amen. And so, yeah, you will dismiss it. It's kind of like, and, and I'll let you jump back on um, and give the explanation here, but I want to give the listening and viewing audience an opportunity to go ahead and respond. What do you think yeah, about good. that uh, apparent contradiction? It's a good one. It's a good one. And uh, Brother Brian will give the answer here in just a moment. I don't know the answer. Yes, you no. do. <laughs> and we're going to give you what we think on it. And you can type, see if you agree or what you think the contradiction is. But your your doctrine does affect your living. I like to point this out. Um, in Second Peter chapter 3, it talks about... Um, the scoffers the last day will say where the promise of is coming. You know, they're scoffers because they don't think the Lord's coming back. You look at that um, servant there, calls him an evil servant, said the master delayed is coming. He went out, what well, got drunk and beat his servants or whatever it says there. Why is that? Well, his behavior followed his actions. Anyways, hopefully I gave you enough time. Just real quickly, you read both verses in case someone missed it. Explain what the contradiction is. Go ahead and just kind of recap it. What Peter says, before the cock crow, you're going to deny me three times. Well, in the other count, he says, before the cock crow twice, you're going to deny me three times. And when you read the account, Peter denies, and there's a cock crowing. Mm. What Jesus said, before the cock crow, you deny me three times. Well, in the other count, he only denied him once before the cock crow. 
So then he denies him, then he denies him a third time, and then the cock crows for the second time. So they can't both be true. So you've had time. Type in your answer. Give us your feedback. If not, pray about it. But, Brother Brian, as we know, the Word of God does not contradict. There is an answer. Yes. So what do you believe the answer is? I just add this. You yeah, mentioned, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You mentioned your doctrine affects your beliefs and just go get drunk. First Corinthians 15, 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and yeah. your faith is also vain. And we are found of all men most miserable. He says, I protest by your rejoicing. I die daily. Mm-hmm. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow that's tomorrow right. we die. That's right. So and that's exactly yeah, what what's you're the saying. point? If Christ didn't rise from the dead, what's the point? Let's just forget this old Christian and getting beat up and yeah. shipwrecked and all that. Why would I do that if Jesus didn't die and if we're not going to or didn't rise and we don't rise? Yeah, we would be false witnesses. We'd be dead in our sins. You know, there's no point to what we're doing. This podcast is a big waste of your time. Yes. The word of God is not true. Just go do whatever you want. Live your life. But we say that just like Paul did out of sarcasm. Sarcasm. We know it is true. And what we want to do is build your confidence in God's word. Because Christian, that's what you need in this life. This is what yes. God's given you. He's given you a book to live by. And as we mentioned last week, it's written in a manner where it has these supposed contradictions yeah, to try your heart. Yes. You have an idol in your heart where you say, oh, I don't want to live according to God's word and I want to do what I want. Fine. God will show you these contradictions. But you tremble at his word. Yes. You love his word. You approach it and say, Lord, I need help. He'll give you light on it and it'll build your confidence in the word of God versus letting the devil steal Amen. the confidence in the word of God. So why don't, you, why don't you give your thoughts on it, brother? So here's the answer. Peter denies there's a cock-a-doodle-doo, a rooster making a cock-a-doodle-doo crowing sound. He denies him. Then Peter denies a third time, and there's a cock-a-doodle-doo, rooster for the second time, or a different rooster, doesn't matter. He does the cock-a-doodle-doo twice. Hmm. And then Peter, after that, Peter denies him three times. Matches that. Right. Here's the answer, Mark 13, 35. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh. So there's watches of the night. Mm. There's four watches of the night. At even, or at midnight, or at cock crowing, mm. or in the morning. It's good. Cock crowing, I believe, there's between 6 and 9, and then 9 and 12 is midnight, then 12 and 3 would be cock crowing, then 3 and 6 would be morning. That doesn't matter. The point is, cock crowing is the name. It's only found in one verse in the Bible, Mark 13, 35, and that gives you the answer. Cock crowing is a period of time, not a cock-a-doodle-doo. So... There's two cock-a-doodle-doos, noise that a rooster makes, and Peter denies three times. And also, he denies them three times before the cock crow. That's, That's good. five in the morning, let's say. They're both correct. No contradiction. Problem solved. And what, what amazing book you have there. And, and again, maybe you didn't follow everything Brother Brian just said, because that's a lot to absorb. Go back. Start this podcast over once it's done. And listen to that again. And obviously, there's that animal cock crowing and then there's a time the cock crow that's certain time of the day and study those things out and that means you can believe the word of god listen not figuratively but literally yes just like it's written and there is no contradiction amen i like that one that's good yeah it's uh, tough that's it is tough one (laughs) that's the thing about these uh um supposed contradictions supposed errors they're not always easy to answer and there's some of them, brother. I remember we did this at uh, PBI. I still don't even know if I have the answer 100% correct. Like you you kind of study it out and you look at the different references and you can kind of learn how to approach these contradictions. 
but there's some of them still I'm not 100%. Again, so that's why we want your feedback. Put in your thoughts about the cock crowing being a time, the cock crowing being an animal. Does that answer the question? Or maybe you have some other insight. would love to hear back from you on your thoughts. Amen. Uh, all right, I'm going to do uh, um, the next one. Um, the, the contradiction is a voice on the road to Damascus. Uh-oh. So uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 27 in Acts chapter 9, verse 27, says this. Obviously, uh, this is talking about Barnabas and Saul's conversion. But anyways, Acts 9, 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and they declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way, that's talking about Saul, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Verse 7. What is that, brother? About verse 7. Yeah, so that's the, what's going on there. And actually, yeah, it's, it is verse 7. There's a, there's a reason I have that there. Um, and I kind of uh, jumped ahead a little bit. But yeah, thank you. Verse 7. Look what it says here in verse 7. And the man which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. So these men here, the Bible says they hear in a voice, but they see no man. Now, we look compare that with Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22. Verse 9, the Bible says, and uh, again, this is Paul's address to the people here, verse 9, and they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. Hmm. So one, obviously, again, Acts chapter 9, verse 7, I'll read it again, and the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. So 9.7 says they heard a voice, but saw no man. And then Acts 22, verse 9 says, And they that were with him saw indeed the light, and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. So obviously the contradiction. Did they hear the voice, or did they not hear the voice? So again, before I kind of discuss what I believe the answer is, I'll give you a moment. What do you think? Put your comments below. Did they hear the voice or did they not hear the voice? And at service value, I would say to someone who hasn't studied or maybe is wavering on the word of God, if they don't, is it true? Is it not true? The devil can just put one of these contradictions in front of you and just kind of destroy your whole faith on the word of God. But brethren, this is why we say you need to approach the word of God in prayer and fear and trembling and say, Lord, this seems like a contradiction, but I believe your word. What is the answer? And uh, so any any general thoughts on that, brother? Uh, Anything you want to add? No. Okay. That's good. Um, (laughs) You got the answer, right? I I do have the answer. Um, So... What I believe the answer is, is two things, is uh, first of all, is I believe the answer is both accounts are true, right? So, well, what do you mean by that? It seems like it's a contradiction. Well, I believe that um, they heard a voice, but they couldn't understand the words. Right. Now, we have other examples of this, and this is how the Word of God's written. I'll read John chapter 12, verse 28 and 29. I was just going to insert yeah, go ahead. any of these contradictions. They're all kind of the same line. There's a couple that are really hard to figure out, but a lot of them are the counts of Chronicles and the accounts of Kings. And there's, there's like 56, the ages of the Kings or how many chariots there were, or the different numbers. 
the long and the short of it is anytime there's two accounts where he's on the second, I showed you the first one. The answer is they're both always going to be true. Amen. There's something you're just not seeing. Right. There's something you're not considering. The answer is always there. And a lot of times you brother, just may not know it, but both accounts are always going to be true. It's just something you're not seeing. That's just assume God knows what he's talking about. Amen. And he's right. Don't assume there's lies and mistakes. That's of the devil. Absolutely. And a lot of times the answer is right in the verse. Like you said, there's a line of thought. If you'll learn and kind of see the kind of thread that goes through these supposed contradictions, it's usually a couple words in the verse yeah. or comparing scripture to scripture. Or a lot of times, like you said, genealogies, people have the same names, but it's not talking about the same person. Right. There's a lot of those, especially, again, dealing with uh, Kings and Chronicles and different things like that. Um, but I believe one of the answers is, is, like I said, both accounts are true, obviously. They heard a voice, but they did not hear the words. All right. So that's how both accounts can be true. And again, we see this. Similar in John chapter 12, verse 28, the Bible says, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So here it is. There's a voice from heaven and all those around the Bible would accurately said, heard a voice. Next verse the people, therefore, that stood by and heard it, so they heard this voice from heaven, said that it thundered. Others said, an angel spake to him. So there you go. They both heard a voice, but some of them didn't hear the words. Some Good. of them, just when they heard that voice, it thundered, and others said an angel spake to him. And so I believe that is one account, one way to answer this. They all heard the voice. But they didn't hear the words that were said to him. Also, too, I believe, again, that answer is kind of alluded to in the verse itself. And back to the very first reference I read. But let me read to you Acts chapter 22, verse um, 9 again. And it says this. They that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid. Now watch carefully the wording here. But they heard not the voice of him that spake to me now there's very possible because paul says the same thing it says the same thing in acts 9 27 that they heard the voice but maybe they didn't just hear the words that they were spake to me the specific words to paul okay and so that little clause there to me yeah to me so you could say that's true also because they just didn't hear what was spoken to paul specifically so both could be true. I lean more to the fact of like John chapter 12, that again, I love the wording of the King James <laughs> Bible, a voice spake from heaven, and that voice that they all heard, one said it thundered, another said an angel spake. So again, that we believe is the answer. I believe is the answer, and that will, will help clarify it. And as Brother Brian said, you need to write these down. You need to write these references down somewhere the back of your Bible, front of your Bible. So when someone questions questions you with these supposed contradictions, you can defend the faith and you can uh, show them that there are no errors in the Bible. So praise the Lord for that. Why don't you give us a, another one, brother? Got another one? I do not. No, I do. <laughs> There's another passage somewhere that says that he spake to him in the Hebrew tongue. Mm -hmm. Well, Paul was a Greek and he's with these Greek people, but he spoke Hebrew. They might just not have understood Hebrew. And that's good because that kind of goes with how he spoke to him. Yeah. Right. They could have heard a voice, but they could have understood. A lot of the stuff is just common everyday thing. Like I said, I went to the store the other day and I saw Pastor Chad there. I tell my wife that. And then I tell somebody else, I was at the store and I saw Chad's wife, Christy, there. 
Nobody says, you're a liar. You said you saw Chad. You contradicted yourself. Right. Let's just, no, I, they were both true. It's just everyday language that people say, but the Bible, if you come into the Bible looking for the lie, you're going to find it when nobody considers that a lie of just regular everyday speech. Yeah. But that's how the world operates. Before you give your next one, you raise a good point that I want to kind of interject on. Um, I don't know a lot about the gentleman. Uh, he's probably not a King James guy, but his book, Lee Strobel, Case for Christ, and I believe, if I recall correctly, he was an investigative journalist, and he set out to disprove the Word of God, disprove Christians and Christ. And one of the things he pointed out was the fact that what people count as contradictions actually validate the Word of God. And law enforcement and the courts use this every day. If mm. I don't care what it is, if there's an accident and a police officer comes and takes your account of the accident, and then go to the next person's account of the accident and the next person's account of the accident, the details never match. And they're not supposed to match. Because again, you're focused on whatever you're focused on. Maybe the lady in the car, maybe you didn't see the child in the back seat. Doesn't mean there wasn't a child in the back seat. Good. But the differences prove that the account is true. Mm. It doesn't disprove it. Matter of fact, so much so is if you were to take that same situation and everyone gave the same account, you know what that means? They coordinated the account and therefore it's fraudulent and not true. And our court system still uses this to today. I have a known case that I know of, won't get into the details, but as a supervisor at my job, a gentleman was terminated because of something he did, and he sued for wrongful termination, and the case went to court, and they read the witness statements, and the judge dismissed the case, granted that he won the case, and they wrongfully terminated him. You know why? Because the witness statements all matched to a T. And that judge knew right away mm. that there was collusion and there's no way because of this incident, everyone would have been able to give the same details. So when you see the differences of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's just authenticity yes. that the real life accounts and God uses the real life accounts again to try your heart to see if you'll approach the word of God and believe it, or you'll say, oh, this is an error contradiction. But anyways, I just thought, you know, there's just a practical truth there. That's good. And those differences authenticate the word of god they don't they don't invalidate it uh, what's the next example you have luke twenty three fifty four. it's funny i'm teaching life of christ and we just finished week 19 there's a 20 week course and we're covering i showed them in class how jesus christ died what day he died on and what day he rose again luke twenty three fifty four. We'll look at verse 53. He took it down and wrapped it in linens, the body of Jesus Christ, and laid it in a sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. And that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew on. So what is what day is the Sabbath, a normal, everyday Sabbath? Saturday. Saturday. So Jesus died on Friday, because the next day was a Saturday. Okay. That's, that's what the that's, uh, yeah. Catholic Church teaches, right? And they're... They're right. Uh, just from what we know right now, we didn't know any other Bible. They're right because the Sabbath is Saturday. The Sabbath means seventh. It's the seventh day. Sunday is the first day of the week. So Jesus Christ dies. The next day was the Sabbath. So he died on a Friday because the next day was Saturday and he rose again Sunday. Okay, good Friday. We all get that. What's wrong with that? That's what people teach. Right. Well, the problem with that is he says 
as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Right. If he dies Friday, that's you can't get three days and three nights out of that. No way. So I don't even. There's your listen, contradiction. Even if you use common core math, <laughs> you still can't get three days and three nights out of that. No. <laughs> so there's, again, that is your contradiction. So before Brother Brian goes any further and explains that, now, I know our listening, viewing audience already rejects that. And obviously, we reject that, too, simply because it, it does make a contradiction to the Word of God if you teach that, you know, he was crucified on Friday because, therefore, uh, what is it, Matthew 12, whatever that reference there is you quoted there, it cannot be true. And we believe it is true. So there is an answer. What do you think the answer is? Now, before they give the answer, give them a moment here. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't sit in your class. Me and Brother Brian probably agree on 99% of things, but there's like little details we might not. So I got the, the million dollar question for you, brother. This is a big debate amongst Bible believers. Good men. Uh-oh. Are you a Wednesday guy or are you a Thursday guy? Meaning when he, was cruci when he died. I guess I don't know what the Thursday thing is because I taught and I used the dry erase or the, the board and I drew out having him die on a Wednesday. Amen, brother. So again, again I told you we agree on 99% of thing. I'm a, strong, I'm a strong proponent of the Wednesday. Oh, good. Yeah, whew, we're good. We didn't talk about this. No, he scared me. No. I thought I was going to get church. <laughs> no, he's no, great. I, I know a good Bible-believing brethren that teach strongly on a Thursday. I don't wow. see how they reconcile all the things with it. I'm with you. I'm a, I'm a Wednesday crucifixion wednesday kind of man yeah so with that said i think that's enough time to give them uh, to type in your answer give us your feedback let us know um so go ahead brother explain okay so well the passover is the 14th day of the first month the jews have three feasts the feast of passover which is in the first month the feast of pentecost or weeks or feast of harvest in gathering is it's 47, 7, 49, and the next day, the 50th, after the harvest and all that, and sometime in June or so. Which is Pentecost, right? Pentecost, yeah. And then they have the Feast of Tabernacles, yeah. which is the eighth month, I believe, and they have the Day of Atonement, and then they're to dwell in booths seven days. But here's the deal. Passover is the 14th day. That was Wednesday. Mm -hmm. The next day... The 15th to the 21st, the next seven days, is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's seven days long. So Wednesday was the Passover. So Thursday for the next seven days is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The very first day of the feast, whether it was on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever day it was on, the very first day and the seventh day was to be a special Sabbath. It was to be a holy convocation where they yep. would get together, and it was a special Sabbath. doesn't matter what day it was on. And that's what's going on. John 19, 31, the Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was an high day. There it is. And for time's sake, we won't, it's just what I told you, Exodus 12, 16, and then Leviticus right. 23, 7, which both say what I said. The first day and the seventh day, regardless of what day it's on, right. is, a, is this high day. It's a special Sabbath, no matter what day it falls on. So Jesus Christ dies Wednesday. There was yep. darkness from noon, the sixth hour of the day, which is noon, till, not, till ninth hour of the day, which is 3 p.m. Right. His body was laid in the tomb around 6 p.m. Wednesday, which would be Thursday. The evening and the morning were the first day the Jews at 6 p.m p.m. That's the Jews next day. So to this day in Israel, the Sabbath is Friday at 6 p.m. That is their Saturday. Right. 
So Wednesday, 6 p.m., he's in the tomb. The next day is a Sabbath, because, which is Thursday. That Sabbath was a high day. That yep. Sabbath was not Saturday. So the ignorant Catholic or whoever that says it had to be Friday that he died because Saturday's a Sabbath. We all know that. And the next day was a Sabbath. Well, they don't know about the verses I just showed you, that there's a special Sabbath apart from the Saturday Sabbath, which was Thursday. Wednesday, in the tomb, Thursday, high yeah. Sabbath, Friday, regular day, then Saturday, the, the regular Sabbath, when they, the ladies come and bring spices, it mentions Sabbath. That would be your Saturday. Amen. And so what you have there is if you do that math, you lay it out. Again, he already mentions the Jews' time and days different than us. You know, we go 12 to 12, they go 6 to 6. But you lay that out on a map, draw it out nice and pretty. What you'll find out is you'll have three days. And three nights, yeah. literally, like the Bible says, and there is no contradiction that where he, that very first reference he read was talking about the high Sabbath based off of the feast, not the weekly Sabbath. Therefore, there is no contradiction in the Bible, but you just have to study it out. And that's what's so amazing Amen. about this book. And, um, Good stuff, brother. I, I just love the Word of God. This was one of my favorite classes at PBI because, uh, again, just fall in love with the Word of God and you study these out. And as we mentioned, some of them are tougher, uh, especially you start dealing with those genealogies and all that. Mm. A lot of these, though, just got to say, Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And uh, um, so uh, that's a good one. Yeah, we mentioned he purposely puts these in there to see what you're going to do with it. Right. The lost are going to mock and not believe the Bible and go to hell. He wants to see, are you going to give up? Are you going to question God? Are you God wants you to have faith. That's like the number one thing God is looking for. He wants you to be humble, and he wants you to believe him as a little child. Lord, I don't know the answer, but I believe it. I believe your word's perfect. That's what he wants. But it, not that it's wrong to do what we're doing and give you the answer to these. I think that will build your faith. But God wants you to believe, and that's why these traps are purposely, if you're a Bible believer, that's purposely put in there. God could have wrote the book any way he wanted. He purposely wrote it this way to see what all mankind will do with it. And what a man does with this book determines what God does with that man. Yeah, so absolutely, brother. And um, we, we can't emphasize that point enough. Um, there's going to be things in this Bible that you're not going to understand. There's going to be doctrines in this Bible that someone's going to teach that is sound doctrine and you just don't get it. Um, I have this discussion often. Doc would teach something and I'd be like, I just I don't know. Doc. I just being Doc Rickman. I would just like, I don't know. I just don't see it. And that's OK. You don't have to see everything. You don't have to understand everything. And when you read these apparent contradictions, but what we are telling is what you need to do is say, Lord, I know there is no error. There's no contradiction in the word of God. So help me figure out this truth. And, and God, I believe, is greatly honored by that. That's what Amen. I'm looking for in your life, that you will approach this word of God with saying, yeah, I know it's true. I just don't have the answer. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I just don't understand. I don't have the answer. There's a lot of things. And I'm sure Brother Brian the same way. That I just don't know. But if I could master this book in a year or two years or five years, then what is this book? Yeah. But it, it's not. It's a deep well, and we won't master this book. So um, good stuff. Let me give you the next one. And uh, the question arises is, did God tempt Abraham? Did God tempt Abraham? Hmm. Well, I'll read a couple of verses and show you what the supposed contradiction is. Give you a chance to respond. But uh, Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, the Bible says, It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And said unto him, 
Abraham, he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I tell thee of. All right, so clearly the Bible says in Genesis chapter 22 that God tempted Abraham. Well, hmm. in James chapter 1, verse 13, the Bible says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So clearly, hmm. we see what is a supposed contradiction. Genesis 22 says God tempted Abraham. And then people read James chapter, I'm sorry, 1. And they say, see, God doesn't tempt any man. He's not tempted, therefore he's not going to tempt man. And so what's your thoughts there? I want you again, give you a chance to go ahead and type in your answer and consider, does God tempt you or doesn't he tempt you? And what appears to be conflicting and contradicting contradictions between Genesis chapter 2 and James chapter 1. So I'll give the answer in just a moment, give them a few seconds to type in whatever they want. But... Uh, what, what, any, any thoughts on this subject in general and in, in big view without giving the answer away yet? <laughs> um, well, a lot of times the answer will be somewhere else in the Bible that will help interpret words. I guess there's kind of two answers. I'm not sure which one you're going to go with. Yeah. But also, the answer could be in the verse. So Absolutely. I think there I'm could be you, two different answers. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> and that was kind of what I was trying to show in my first example, how that I believe there could be two answers. And I'm not dogmatic on other. What I am dogmatic is that there's no error. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you brought that out. I believe both are true in this situation, not in the sense that there's two answers, but both the ways to solve this is A, the answer's in the verse, but B, it's clarified and supported further with other references. Okay. And so yeah. uh, we'll see what the approach that I take. So hmm. I'll give you the answer. Again, the, the apparent contradiction is, did God tempt Abraham said he did. Yeah. So obviously he did. Genesis chapter 22. Well, James says he doesn't. Right. <laughs> so again, did God tempt Abraham? Well, Genesis chapter 22 clearly says he did. So we believe that God tempted Abraham, just like Genesis 22 says. Right. But James says he doesn't tempt anyone or so that's how I worded it after I read it, because that's actually not what James says. And so, as you said, sometimes you have to look at the verses carefully. You'll find that common in these verses. And as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, sometimes you have to go through other references, help define this a little bit further. And I believe that's the answer here with this question. Did God tempt Abraham? Yes, he did, but not like it says in James. Now, let me read James again and then give you the answer. The Bible says in James 1.13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. It's saying God will not tempt any man with evil. So you can't say, oh, I have this temptation to commit adultery and it's God that's tempted me. God won't do that because he will not tempt you with evil. And so in Genesis chapter 22, that is not evil for, for um, Abraham to offer 
up his only son to God as God had told him to. And you kind of get this context in the rest of the book of James in verse 14 and 15. It says, but every man is tempted, listen, when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So yeah, James is correct, and Genesis is correct. God did tempt Abraham, but he didn't tempt him with sin. Amen. James is simply stating God will not tempt you with sin, so you can't use that as an excuse when you're trying to get victory over sin and saying, well, God's just tempted me. No, according to the Bible, God's not going to tempt you with evil. He's not going to tempt you with sin. That is your own lust that's drawn you away. So, But with that said, I, I think we get some more clarification on this when we go to the book of Hebrews. In mm. Hebrews chapter 11 will tell us what this temptation was and the difference between James 1 and Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 22, verse 1. But Hebrews 11 says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that hath received the promises offered up his only begotten son. And so Hebrews eleven seventeen. Give us a little bit more information. That temptation in Genesis chapter 22 was God trying Abraham. It was a test, a try of his faith. And God definitely will do that in your life. Amen. God will put circumstances. God will put Bible verses, as we keep saying. God will put things in your life to try you, to tempt you. And again, that's the trying of your faith. But as James says, God will never tempt you with evil. God will never tempt you with sin. So both are true. Um, I think for the time's sake, brother, I'm going to give you some closing thoughts and then I'll close out the podcast. But I really think just because where we're at with time, we're going to have to do two episodes on errors in the Bible. We pray and hope that you've enjoyed them. I know I have. And we're really just trying to slow down a little bit, give you time to digest these, give you time to give us some feedback. But Brother Brian, maybe any thoughts before I close out the podcast? Yeah, a couple thoughts. Number one, the Bible always defines its own terms. Amen. So scripture with scripture shows you what that means. Just like Luke, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother, Matthew 10, if any man come to me and love father and mother more. So scripture with scripture defines the terms. Let the Bible define its yeah. own terms. Number two, we've only done a few of these. We're only going to do probably 10 or 12 total, but we could do hundreds. I'm not that we're smart or all that, but the Lord has shown us these and we've had good training Amen. and all that. But notice the answer. We're never going to go to an NIV, an English standard version, uh, whatever yeah. this thing is. We don't need to go to new versions to find the answer. All the answer to anything in life, including supposed contradictions in the Bible, are found in the text of a King James yeah, Bible. And also, we will not go, if you go to Christian college or any of these people who aren't King James, and they will defend the Bible, which is good, I, I guess, But as opposed to the way they're doing it. But they're going to go to the Greek. They're going to say you have to go to the Greek. And the Greek word here is actually translated here when it's... It's all bunk. They don't mean it. None of, the, none of the Bibles will translate it the way they say it should be translated. They're just making up stuff. I guess they're trying to defend the Bible by appealing to a non-existent Bible that yeah. you know disappeared 1,900 years ago. But the answer is in the English of the King James text. You don't need Greek. You don't need Hebrew. You don't need scholar. You don't need new versions. So that's kind of just what I would say on that. 
Yeah, those are wonderful closing comments. And again, I, I second that. Um, our authority is the King James Bible, the Word of God, and all of our answers. We didn't have to go to some Greek language that Amen. you don't know and that mostly I have forgotten. <laughs> Brother Brian definitely knows more than me on it. But um, the point is, this is God's Word. These are God's words. And you just have to study, pray, and ask God to show you. But we do pray that this podcast has challenged you has helped you. And again, we want to build your confidence in the Word of God. Amen. And thank God there are no errors in the King James Bible. There are no contradictions in the King James Bible. You may read some, some people may ask you some, some things you can't answer, but we pray that just a couple of the examples, this and next podcast, that will give you some more examples, will help build your faith in the Word of God, and you'll at least get these set of principles where you can approach these problem texts and pray that God shows you answer. So close with something. Yeah, go ahead. I'll close it out with this. Go ahead. There's a song. I don't know if Sound Doctrine wrote it, but they sing it. They said, now it's critics are many and believers are few. This one thing I found to be true. If you find when you read it that there's something wrong, contradictions, mistakes, right. there's something wrong with you. Then this blessed old book that I hold in my hand is true from beginning to end. Yeah. It's a solid foundation upon which I stand. Sin kept me from it. Now it keeps me from sin. Amen. Word of a King podcast. And that is a way to end right there. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. We're thankful for the King James Bible. Amen. Until next time, we're looking forward to it. God bless and do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. The key to understand the Word of God is for the author to show you what the thing says. If you understand that book, you get for the author. Then he opened their understanding.